So Pastor Andrew is on vacation this week, and usually when he goes on vacation, he asks myself or one of the other deacons or another church member to preach in his absence. So we typically don't ask each other what the other person's going to preach on. We just kind of leave it up to the guidance of the Holy Spirit on what we're going to preach. But this time I was like, can I please preach on Christmas? And he was like, yes. So as Emma kind of hinted towards with worship and spending time together, we have officially entered the Christmas season. For those of you who are like me and you have not began shopping yet, you have two weeks before Christmas Eve. Um, yes, so, but I do love Christmas. Um, Christmas is one, in my opinion, one of the most joyous times of the year, not just because of the Christmas trees, the lights, the decorations, but what this time of the year means for believers. And you can't think about Christmas without thinking about gifts. And for me, I do like to think I am a good gift giver. I'm not a good gift wrapper. And if Julie was in here, she would be saying, yes, that is right. In fact, this morning, our students and I had a discussion that it would just be easier to buy bags and put gifts in bags because it's economical and you can just reuse the same bag over and over and over. But that's not what we do. We love to go shopping. We love to find that, that perfect present. We love to spend hours, minutes, depending on who you are, wrapping the gifts for one 30-second brief excitement of tearing into the wrapping paper, throwing the bows around, and then looking at what we we're longing to get. Parents, I'm sure your students have shopping lists that are two miles long. For those of us who are married, our spouses probably have a shopping list that is two miles long as well. And this time of the year, we are always looking for that perfect gift. I'm here to tell you, you and I, we will never be able to give anyone that perfect gift. But God. Christmas changed everything. The birth of the Savior, not in the way that probably his mother was expecting, his father, but God knew. The King of Kings was born, laid in a manger, as the song goes, because there was no room for them in the end. Today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 2 at what I've called the unexpected Christmas. Now the birth of Jesus, that was expected, because you can read all the way back in Isaiah about how the virgin will give birth. You can read about how the king or the child will be born and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. The birth of Jesus was not unexpected. 
but the circumstances surrounding it were. Now, I don't have any children of my own, but my brother does. He has four kids, and I can remember when my sister-in-law was, was pregnant, one of the last things she ever wanted to do was, was to move, was to travel, was to go anywhere. She just wanted to, to do what the doctor said, was to be on house rest, kick your feet up, and let your husband take care of work. And my brother did do that. And I'm sure Mary probably had the same idea, that she wanted to be comfortable, that she was ready for the birth of her son. But it's not exactly how it went. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, we read, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. So while Mary and Joseph were waiting for their son to be born, the governor said, I want to know how many people are under my jurisdiction. And during this time, that was for two main purposes. The world that it was talking about was the known world under the Roman Empire, not necessarily the entire world. Also, it was for taxation purposes so that he could get a little bit extra money under his belt. So Joseph had to tell Mary that they had to leave the comfort of their home to travel. Now, back then, they didn't have the comfortable cars like we do with the heated seats where you get gas mileage and you can make a day's journey, you know, to Bethlehem, to Judea, or to Nazareth. This trip was about 70 miles. On average, a person can walk about 20 miles a day, depending on the shape you're in. So this journey for Mary who was pregnant, took three days minimum, probably, to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And Luke also gives us another indication to just how difficult this journey was. It says they had to go up. Well, up means up. Bethlehem was on a mountain. So not only did this individual have to travel 70 plus miles pregnant she also had to do it uphill now bethlehem wasn't a random city that god chose back in micah chapter 5 verse 2 we hear 
that this is where the birth of Jesus would be. And it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the class of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Bethlehem was a small city. Think about it today. Oxford, Florida, a small city. But yet, that is where God chose his son to be born. Luke continues in these verses, in verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 7, giving a clue as to the type of wrapping that this baby would experience. And it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them. Now, typically today when a newborn baby is given to their mother, they're handed in a, a warm blanket, towel, something to, to keep the baby safe. So the swaddling, swaddling clothes back then were the same idea. It was to keep the baby straight, so that way they weren't moving their arms over, kicking, potentially causing injury to themselves and to the mother. But we'll see later that that had a deeper meaning. And then the manger. I'm going on vacation tomorrow, and I have been planning this vacation for months. I just didn't wake up tomorrow, book the hotel, pay for everything. No, I, I called, I got my reservation, I got my confirmation, so I know when I arrive to my destination tomorrow, there will be a room for me. If there wasn't, kind of like I can imagine the conversation Mary was having with Joseph at this point, I would be having a similar conversation with my wife. Did you not call ahead? Did you not think about the travel arrangements? Where are we supposed to have this baby? Bethlehem at this time, it's expected that there were about 800 people who had to go to this city. And when Luke says the inn, it was a central location. It wasn't this Motel 6 that they saw driving down the road and they said, this looks good. They pulled off the road and there was the no vacancy sign blinking. No, this was a popular destination for people to stay in. So one would think that there would be room, but there wasn't. Imagine the thoughts Mary was having because the chapter before, you can read about how the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and said that you have found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You will give birth to a son, and he will be called the Most High. A king deserves a king's welcome, but not this baby. A manger was a feeding trough. It was where the sheep, the goats, the donkeys, the cows, the horses, whatever farm animals were around this area were eating out of. That is where 
this king laid his head. I'm sure they cleaned it out as best as they could, put hay over top of it. But Jesus, who had angels singing his glory and his praises from day's beginning to day's end, had no room on this earth for him. Now again, when Julie and I start a family, I hope my experience is not this way, that we will have a room and we will have a place. But God, in all things, knew that this is how the baby needed to come. The story continues as a play. You have a transition. You have the, the stable where Jesus is laying his head, surrounded by his mom and dad, to the fields. And where we pick up in verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. When the angel showed up, or I'm sorry, when the scene changes to the shepherds, it's dark, it's cold. And shepherding back then, it, it wasn't highly looked upon like it was back when David was a shepherd. There was a shift in, in social class when it came to shepherds. Back in David's time when he was a shepherd boy, to be a shepherd meant that your family had wealth, your family had land, your family had money. But now, shepherds were despised. Shepherds were rejected. Shepherds were thought about as thieves and the lowliest job that you could have. Because shepherds back then would often take land, take their sheep to other good pastures to feed from, take them to the good rivers to drink from. So they took what wasn't there. But it often came through my mind as to why were the shepherds the first ones to hear about the birth of this king? And I think it's very simple because Jesus is a savior to all. No matter what your job is, no matter what you look like, no matter what your background is, no matter what you brought into this church today, Jesus is a savior to all. Picking up in verse 9, we see that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When angels appear, there's usually a reason why 
there's a follow-up of do not be afraid. Angels aren't these cute little creatures that we typically think about, that we see portrayed in churches and museums or in cathedrals. Angels were warriors. In Ezekiel, angels are described as having rings, and around these rings were multiple sets of eyes. There's a reason that an angel of the Lord, do not be afraid, go together. And I can imagine in the middle of the night when this angel showed up and the glory of heaven shone around him, they had a lot to be afraid of. But I love what the angel says next. I bring you good news. Jesus is good news. Jesus was good news back then. Jesus is good news now. And when you and I are gone, Jesus will still be good news. And when he tells the shepherds where they are going to find this baby, he says that you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now that would have been a a familiar imagery to shepherds. Because shepherds, they would wrap newborn lambs in swaddling clothes. Shepherds' jobs were to keep the newborn lamb safe without blemish, without injury, because that newborn lamb and swaddling clothes was for the sacrifice of the sins of the people. The first clothes that our Savior wore were garments of sacrificial wrappings. This child was unlike any child that had ever been born and will ever be born. Then when good news is proclaimed, other people join in. Verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. See, when good news is proclaimed, and you understand what that good news is, you can't keep it to yourself. You have got to go tell other people. See, that first angel showed up, and he told the shepherds where you can go find that good news. And then the heavenly chorus showed up and praised God for that baby. Do we get excited to praise that baby when we come to church on Sundays or Wednesdays? Are we excited to praise that baby when we're going to work tomorrow morning and we don't want to? Are we going to be excited to praise that newborn baby when we're sitting around our family's table at Christmas time and God is telling you to tell your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, whoever it is about my son? 
See, while we may not be heavenly hosts singing God's praises at the moment, we get the joy of doing it now on this earth. Does that good news translate from our hearts to this world? And the peace that this angel is talking about, it's not necessarily the peace that means that there won't be difficulties that your life will be okay, that nothing will go wrong. The peace that this angel is proclaiming is the peace that because of this good news, we have peace with God. Romans 5.1, Paul mentions this peace. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. With whom he is pleased is talking about those individuals who have that relationship with God. See, before you ask Jesus to be your savior, you're an enemy of God, whether you realize it or not. And there's this this distance between us and God that keeps us from having that relationship with him. But because of this child, if you believe in him, you will have peace, which means your sins are forgiven. It means that you are no longer an enemy of God. But ultimately, what that means is that when this life ends, you will be able to step into an eternity in heaven with him forever. That is the peace that that angel was proclaiming that night. And then we have another transition in this story. Back to the stable and beyond. Luke chapter 2, verse 15, picks up and it says this. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. There was no delay in them leaving. There was no hesitation. They wanted to see if what was told to them was true or not. I often wonder how much you and I miss out on because of our hesitations. How many of the blessings do we miss out because God has told us to go serve? God has told us to go, and we just tell him, it's not our job, we'll let somebody else do it. The shepherds could have done that. The shepherds could have been like, hey, that's great. We're glad the Savior is born. We're glad that there's this hope. And they could have kept it to themselves. 
when good news is given, they had to go see it. And just like the angel said, they found that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And this Christmas season, I pray that just like the shepherds that we're about to read about would be our heart. Verse 17, it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been known, told to them. But Mary treasured up all these things. Oh, sorry. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Working with students is a lot of fun because with students, you really never know what you're going to get. Students are happy one minute and then upset in that same minute. And building relationships with them and, and trying to see what excites them can, can take time. But uh, when you figure out what excites a student and they are excited to tell you about it, you can't get them to stop talking. When there is something in our life that excites us, we can't stop talking about it. I'm sure if I went around this room right now and asked each and every one of you what you're excited about, without hesitation, you could tell me. The shepherds saw, and they told everyone. And it says that the people who heard, some of your translations may say that they were amazed at what they heard. Shepherds, the lowliest of classes, were the first evangelists to tell people about the good news. If God can use who society says is worthless, imagine what he can do with you. And that gospel that the shepherds proclaimed, it is still being proclaimed all around the world today. The gospel is still amazing. I, uh, I read a quote that uh, one made me, well, sent shivers down my spine and then made me emotional about the shepherds. And it says that the shepherds returned to their sheep, never to be heard from again, but never forgotten. We don't know those shepherds' names. Many of us in this room, we won't go down in the history books. But God knew those shepherds. God knew those shepherds would go and tell the world. 
just like he is telling you and I today to go and tell the world. The truth statement is this today, is that the birth of Jesus happened in an unexpected way, but because of his birth, we can have peace with God. Again, Mary, hearing the birth of Jesus, she probably didn't expect a 70-mile travel to come between her and her birth. She was probably expecting to be sitting at home comfortable. The shepherds that night, they were probably thinking it was just going to be another normal routine night. Feed the sheep, keep the sheep from being eaten, go about your business. But they both got to experience the unexpected message of the good news of the gospel. Just like you and I today, someone in our life heard that good news and they had to tell somebody. And aren't you thankful for that individual who told you about that good news? For me, it was my children's director, Les Burnside. I was eight years old and I can remember it like it was yesterday. And again, if I went around this room, I'm sure each and every one of you could tell me your story. Pastor Andrew talked about being a sheep last week and how we can find joy in being sheep because we know who our shepherd is. But I would challenge you today to be shepherds and go and tell the world the good news of that child who was born. For some of you in this room, this could be the very first time you've heard the story of the birth of Jesus told this way. Because let's be honest, it doesn't take a pastor to tell people about Jesus' birth. We all know it. But for some of you in this room, maybe this Christmas season, instead of just knowing the story, maybe your step is to allow it to transform your life like it did the shepherds and how it has done for so many since that faithful, silent night. See, the good news that the angel proclaimed about the peace that we could experience was because of that child. See, Jesus grew up and lived a perfect life, something that you and I cannot do because we've already messed up today, let's be honest. But Jesus lived a perfect life, something that you and I could never do for one purpose and one purpose only, and that was marked at the beginning of his earthly birth, and that was those swaddling clothes of the sacrificial lamb. See, the clothes didn't catch Jesus off guard. God wasn't sitting in heaven and saying, how dare you put my child in those clothes? No. That's why he came. Jesus came to live and to die so that we could have peace. And the Bible says, all you have to do is believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. There is no read between the lines, there is no yeah and, it's period. 
And in closing, I'd like to give you that opportunity if that would be you today. So let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the unexpected Christmas. We thank you that you do not work in the ways that we imagine. And God, we do thank you for your son. God, if there is anyone here today who has heard this story dozens, if not hundreds of times, I pray this Christmas season would be different. That they would come to know you, to experience that peace that only you can offer. And if that's you today, I would love to give you the opportunity right now while we're praying. There is nothing magical about these words, but it's the heart behind the words. And if you are ready to give your life to Jesus today, just simply repeat this prayer from your heart to God's heart because he sees you, he knows you, and he'll hear you. And it says, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I know I've broken your commandments when I've lied, cheated. But God, I believe in your word that says that you sent your son, Jesus. I believe that he lived a perfect life and that three days later after he was crucified he rose from the grave conquering sin and death once and for all God I'm asking you to come into my life and to save me I'm asking you to give me that peace that the angels proclaimed so long ago God for anyone in this room who made that decision today I pray that there is a party going on in heaven right now, as your word says. As we close in our last song, if there's any decisions that need to be made, I pray that people would be sensitive to your spirit. God, we ask that in a little bit as we go about our day, that yes, we will be sheep because we know who the shepherd is but that we will be like those shepherds who proclaim the gospel for the very first time. God, I ask that you would be honored and glorified during our last song together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.